Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to episode number 133 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is September 1st. We are in September 2010. And this week on the podcast, we, of course, are going to talk about USC and Hawaii. Tomorrow, September 2nd, USC opens the season Thursday night, national TV audience on ESPN. We finally get to talk about some football games instead of sanctions and appeals and all that kind of stuff we get to talk about some football i'm really excited for that if you have any questions or comments and we got a lot of them today so we'll try to get to every single one of them drop us an email podcast at uscfootball.com or drop us a voicemail 206-888-6755 that number again is 206-888-6755 that's three eights in there 888-6755 if you missed that yeah, leave us a voicemail. We'll play it on the podcast. We've got a few of them today we'll play. We'll play your questions, and then Coach or Dan Weber and myself will all answer those. So I uh, wanted to thank a special man, Coach Harvey Hyde, joining us again. Over two years, he's been kind enough to come on with us every Wednesday. We just love talking to Coach. How are you doing today, Coach? You're not in uh, any oh. exotic locations. Man, I tell you what. I'm not on any sacred location. I'm back. The party's over. It's football season. Uh, I've been working out all summer, getting ready for the summer, and I'll tell you, I'm ready to go. I tell you, there couldn't be a better time of the year. There really can't be. You come off a of vacation, kids are going back to school, college campuses are open, uh, Labor Day weekend. I mean, how can it be any better than this? The weather's absolutely beautiful. The USC team opens up in Hawaii, so for all the people that uh, want an extended vacation, they can go to Hawaii early or stay later watch the USC Trojans play. Uh, I mean, how can it be any better than this? And, you know, for people that didn't use Southern California Ticket Service to get over there, maybe on the next trip that they plan on going to, Ryan, they should use them. Yeah, if you go to Minnesota or any other road trip for USC, Oregon State, go to Southern California Tickets, sctickets.com, 1-800-888-7287 is their phone number. We are starting the football season. So if you need any tickets, Go to our friends at sctickets.com. They will help you out. Coach, how are we both here stateside and all everyone else is over in Hawaii? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> well, I have a reason. I, I, I tell you what, I am a part of the pregame show for the USC broadcast. And uh, on away games, we're going to be do it, doing them from the Arcadia Mall there. David and Buster's there. So I have to stay. And I'm on two and a half hours before the game, so I'll be on at 5.30 this week. That's uh, tomorrow night. Game time is at 8 p.m. I'll be on with Steve Mason. So on away games, I sort of have a camp over here in the Arcadia Mall, and we go in there and we do the entire broadcast. They do the post-game shows in there, the whole thing. And then on Sunday morning, I've got the Trojan Brunch show that I do from the Shade Manhattan Beach, and that's on ESPN2 from 9 to 11. A.M. So, uh, Ryan, I don't have time right now. You might have been thinking I had a great vacation, which I did, but now it's work time. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Saturday and Sunday shows. So I've got a lot going on now, but I'm looking forward to it. All right. And you, of course. I forgot you. I forgot you, and that's on Wednesday mornings. And then on every day of the week at 6.45 a.m., I do a sports update on KDWN Radio in Las Vegas. So... I'm pretty busy. You are a busy man, Coach. Well, let's, uh, we're going to be busy on this podcast as well, and we've got a lot of questions, so we might as well jump into them. Before we start talking about Hawaii, this was an interesting question that we got from uh, John Carroll. I don't think he's related to Pete Carroll, especially because he's asking you about coaching, but he wanted to know. He's worked as a, he worked with teenagers for 20 years in counseling and organizing camps for underprivileged kids. He played football for eight years and would like to try coaching. What would be the best way to get into that, and how would you start? Well, if he hasn't coached football before but played football, the best way to start is you decide what level you want to coach on. There are always schools or 
Pop Warner Leagues and so on are always looking for coaches, Kid, people who love kids, people who want to work with kids and watch kids grow. And uh, I tell you, you can go to these Pop Warner League uh, organizations if you want to work on a higher level, if you want to work on a high school level. You go to your local high school or a high school that you'd like to work at. You call, you make an appointment with the, the coach. You go in and you tell them exactly your background. You say, I just want to be on your staff. I don't expect any money. I just want to work. You pay me if you can. Pay me anything you can afford. Uh, I'll do anything you want me to do. If you want me to go pick up your laundry, I'll go pick your laundry up. If you want me to be the water boy, I'll do that. But I want to learn football. I'll run the scout team. I'll draw the cards. I'll, I'll do whatever I have to do to be a part of football because I love the game of football. But it doesn't make any difference, Ryan, what level you coach on. Because if you're really dedicated and you love the kids, you're just as excited when you win and you're just as sad when you lose. So you got to remember that you got to start almost as an intern. I've hired so many people who have just come and worked for me and impressed me that when I had an opening on my staff, I said, you know, why should I look anywhere? I, I know this guy. He's loyal to me. I'll just hire him. He's learned my way of doing it. Why should I teach someone else? So if you go and you give that effort to someone, that person always comes back and helps you. Or I've had young people that have come on and worked with me, and when other coaches have called me and they say, hey, Harv, I'm looking for a, a recruiting coordinator. Do you have somebody? And I say, i got an intern here or a GA here or an assistant coach here that's been working for me. He would be absolutely awesome. Let me give you his name. I recommend him. Talk to him because I'll tell you, I, I, I would hire him if I had an opening. So you've got to be able to sacrifice to get the things you love to do. Never, I used to tell coaches when I used to interview coaches, I used to say, the first thing if a guy asked me, how much does this job pay? I'm really not interested in it. I want somebody to say, hey, pay me what you think I'm worth after I'm here. Because I, that's the way I feel. I want this job so badly, I'm not worried about what, it, what it's going to pay me. So, you know, you've got to go out. You've got to reach out to somebody. You've got to let somebody know you really care. And the coach won't care how much you know. He wants people who are loyal. He wants people who like kids. And he wants people who work hard. And I think that's what people are looking for. So believe me, there's people out there that are looking for people who want to get into coaching like that. All right. Well, John, hopefully that helps you out. He's, he's uh, writing in from Calgary as well, up in Canada. So, John, we wish you, if he's working with underprivileged kids, obviously he does like children. He's played football. So it sounds like it would be a good fit. Get on with uh, a coach somewhere. Hopefully he's as nice as Coach Harvey Hyde and uh, advance your career that way. So best of luck to you, John. Uh, let's see. We're going to have a voicemail question, Coach. This one is from Kevin. Hi, my name is Kevin. I'm calling from Southern California. This question is for Gerard. Gerard, I was wondering, when you're uh, looking at, when these coaches are looking at recruiting kids, does it hurt? a kid's stock if he goes to a high school that only allows him to play on one side of the ball where they have to choose offense or defense. Do the coaches really take that into account when they're recruiting a kid? And if you were giving advice to a kid just starting off, would you definitely select a school that allows you its players to play both ways? I appreciate your time, and hopefully you can answer my question. Thanks. So that was actually for Gerard. We're not going to have Gerard on the podcast this week because we're going to talk all about USC playing Hawaii. But, Coach, I thought you might be able to answer that question about recruiting kids, you know, the high school kids that would only play on one side of the ball. No, I, I want to be honest with you. Obviously, this parent's very concerned as far as uh, making sure his kid gets an opportunity to, to play and demonstrate the type of abilities he has. Myself is, you know, coaches, if they have the abilities, coaches are going to play them on both sides of the football. You know, some kids just don't have the – uh, the mentality or the intensity that it takes to play on defense. Be reckless, throw your body around. They just don't have that personality. They have an offensive personality. They're more into the uh, the schemes of things and remembering plays and so on, and they don't have the personality of what a defensive player is. So, you know, some people's personality, size and speed, just fit offense or defense. And a lot of times you don't you don't see players going both ways in high school. Normally, uh, at a smaller school, when an athlete is such a great athlete, then you see that athlete going both ways. Why? You can't afford not to have him on the field, but he's just too good. But in most cases, you try not to have athletes go both ways. Now, if the kid is a great athlete, 
and he, you can forecast him into playing defense, but he's playing offense. You do that because he can run. To play on the defensive, defensive side of the football now, no matter what position you are, you've got to be able to run. So if you play on the defensive side of the ball, if you're a defensive lineman, you've got to be big, powerful, and quick and be able to move laterally and, and hold your ground. If you're an, a linebacker or any type of defensive end, or if you're playing the secondary, hey, you've got to run sub-five or you're not going to play major Division One football. So a lot of that is gauged on the physical abilities of an individual, the kid. Now, you can play offense or play the offensive line and not have to run, but because it's so much of a position blocking, blocking and, and quick feed and how to use your hands and your arms, how long your arms are, and all these different things that you can evaluate a player – where you could be a great offensive lineman, a great all-American offensive lineman, and you might never smell it down on defense because you're just not that type of player. You don't fit on the defensive side of the football. So uh, I would say that uh, uh, I wouldn't select a school because someone's going to let you go both ways because I don't know if that will help you either because you're not getting better either at one position, but you're having to learn two positions. I would go where they have a great coaching staff or send my son where they have a great coaching staff, where the coaches care about the kids, where the kids are going to learn, where they're treated like men, they're going to be disciplined, and they're going to have the opportunity to be successful. I think that's what it's all about. I wouldn't just send a kid or a coach promises me that we're going to play your kid both ways, and then it doesn't happen. And then you're all upset, and your kid's all upset, and you feel like your kid got screwed, and all this and that. So go where it best fits for your kid, where, where, where he's going to be around his friends and so on. And if you're a great player, a great player sticks out. It doesn't make any difference where you go. You're going to stick out because coaches are not going to overlook you. All right. Well, Kevin, thanks for that question. Hopefully uh, Coach helped you out there. Let's talk a little running game, Coach. I know you like that. Uh, Evan wanted to know, with Mark Tyler as the starter and Alan Bradford as the primary backup, how do you think – C.J. Gable, how much do you think C.J. Cable is going to play this year? And maybe, Coach, just kind of talk about what you think this running back rotation is going to look like. We're all pretty curious. Well, I'll tell you, I think Mark Tyler deserves this opportunity. He was as good a football player as I saw coming out of high school as far as a running back. Uh, he should be a superstar. He had that type of making when he was at Oak Christian. I think Sam Bradford is a great player, a great athlete, too. I think he could have been a great linebacker, too. Mark Tyler was a linebacker, but I don't think he'd have been a great linebacker in college football. But I think Sam Bradford could have been. So here's where we're getting back to that type of situation. I think he's, got, I think he's the type of guy that if, if given enough times as far as carrying the football, He's a combination of a power back, and plus he has great speed. I think he can run over you, too. I think he's a, an outstanding football player. In, in the old days when they ran the eye and he carried the ball 26 times a game or 30 times a game, he'd have been an All-American. And Bradford might have been, too. But I think that both of them are a great combination, one-two combination. I, I really do. You're not talking about Dylan Baxter. You're not talking about Stanley Havili. You're not talking to C.J. Gable, McNeil, all these others that go along with these, because they're all great athletes. But I think that what's been great about this coaching change is every player has had an opportunity to prove themselves again. I mean, and here you have two freshmen starting, two freshmen, actual true freshmen starting, which I think is tremendous because the best players are playing. The best players are on the field. And I think that's what's important. Kids really know who the best players are. And, and if you ask a kid who's the best receiver, or drop it in this envelope and don't put your name on it. You had 10 receivers voting. They would tell you who is the best receiver. They know. And so they know who the best quarterback is. I would say the running back situation, the skilled positions at, at USC are, are as good as any teams in the country. I think quarterback-wise, I'd tell you Mitch Mustaine, if given an opportunity, and, and who knows, maybe he will, will turn out to be a superstar. Mitch Mustaine will be a number two draft choice in the NFL draft this coming year, as maybe Bradford will be, or Tyler will be, or when their time comes, and C.J. Gable. But you've got to wait for your opportunity, and when you're given that opportunity, I tell you, Mark's been waiting for this a long time. He's going to be a little nervous. He might drop a pass to do something uh, that uh, might uh, scare him as far as uh, his future, 
But I think he'll look forward to, and I think everybody on the football team, this is a great, great demonstration. If you work hard in a new program, anyone can have the opportunity of playing. And I like this topic theory. All right. Well, thanks for that one, Evan. Uh, Coach, it's another voicemail question. And uh, this also has to talk, it also talks about players playing both ways, but this is talking about playing both ways at the college level. Hi, this is Steve from Carlsbad, California. And first off, I want to wish our College Hall of Fame coach, John Robinson, all the best this season in his role as an assistant coach at San Marcos High School, which is one of our neighboring towns here in North San Diego County. My question is for Coach Hyde. Coach, last week, Len Kiffin commented that it's not outside the realm of possibility to have players going both ways in the future because of our scholarship limitations. And um, I just wanted to get your opinion as you look at our current roster which of our players do you feel would be best suited to play both ways without taking away from their overall effectiveness to the team? Thanks a lot. Enjoy the show, guys. Well, thank you very much for calling in. Uh, you know, my feeling is this year you won't see players going both ways, but you'll see players possibly. I'm not saying it depends just how that appeal comes out and the number of scholarships and how many players that they have that they can get in in January. They're hoping to get maybe – nine or ten players in in January where, where the scholarship count will go against 2010. They're hoping to redshirt a few players. They're talking about redshirting. Well, I don't want to get into that. We'll talk about that later. But they're talking about redshirting a lot of the great players that they have that might not play this year. So you've got to find different ways of satisfying your numbers. Robert Woods, obviously, the starting receiver from Sarah High School as an athlete, has demonstrated that he could go both ways. Uh, you've got, uh, when, when you think about it, uh, let me think. I, I wasn't ready for this, so. Well, a cu- couple guys they mentioned, uh, Christian Thomas, who moved over from defensive end. He's, uh, oh, I mean, yeah, from, he's done it already. From tight end to defensive end. He, he, they, he would kind of like to play. Uh, you talked about Woods. I mean, there, there's kind of guys like that. You know, Kiffin was pretty adamant that it, it would, it would almost be like desperation if they had to do something like that. But knowing that limited scholarships they might have to do it and and i think he i agree with what you said coach it probably wouldn't be this year if they had to do it it'd probably be next year or the year after that i agree and maybe this roby kid that's, uh, that's now playing uh, defense could come in and play something on offense a slot or a running back if he had to do that uh, uh i, I don't even know like, you, even the anthony I, thomas I mean, he's coming in next year i mean he's played a lot of corner played a lot of running back i, I there, there's some options, you know, and I, I, players, and maybe you correct me if I'm wrong, Coach, but it seems like player, all the players I've talked to, I think Steve Smith wanted to do it in the past and some of the other guys, they seem to be like, yeah, I'll, I'll play both ways. That'd be kind of fun. And But I, <laughs> coaches never seem to want to let them do that, though. It, it seems like the players are into it, just not the coaches. No, you're right. Uh, Marshall Jones could go both ways. Uh, Bobby Torn Harris could go both ways if they, if they needed to. I don't think any of the offensive linemen could go both ways. Uh, maybe a couple of the defensive linemen could, but really uh, you don't like to do that because it's, it's uh, it, you know, you need to work on offense. There's so many different plays and calls and schemes that you have to do that really takes a lot of learning and you have a special group of people. There aren't a lot of positions that you play in Division One football that go both ways. I would say... The only position that I would consider a player going both ways at, and let's just put it this way, is probably either a corner or safety or a receiver. Uh, I think that's the only area that you might have a player go both ways. I don't think a linebacker would go both ways or a defensive end or defensive tackle or offensive lineman or even a running back you wouldn't have go both ways. And obviously quarterbacks wouldn't go both ways. So it would be a very select position, and, and it would be only in, in a desperate type of situation. All right, Steve, thanks for that. Uh, let's go to Guy. And uh, he sent this in before Jesse Scroggins was admitted back into school, but he is now qualified. But when he was out, Kiffin had talked about saying that Baxter could possibly be that number three quarterback if Mustaine and Barkley couldn't go. He wanted to know, he wanted me to ask you, Coach, how would that work? Meaning how effective could Baxter be without taking very many reps at the quarterback position? Would they simply radically simplify the offense using very little of the playbook in comparison. How do you think something like that would work, Coach? Well, I don't think that would happen. Uh, 
first of all, you'd have to get down to your third quarterback. And I'll tell you, they have a third quarterback over there, and I know a lot of people don't know much about him, but you do, Ryan. His name is uh, Manugan, John Manugan. I'm going to tell you right now, we were talking about it at practice on Monday. I was talking with a lot of people. He would be my third quarterback right now. I'll tell you, he operates. He's a very intelligent kid. He can move the football. He has a lot of respect uh, from the offensive players. He's, he works well with the young players. He's prepared to play. I mean, in my in my thinking, he, he's more ready to play than Jesse Scroggins is. I mean, Jesse's not ready to play. But John Manugan can take you down the field, make the right corrections, and believe me, he can throw the football. He's probably got one of the strongest arms out there. And I'm not saying he's got a better arm than anyone, but he's got a real strong arm. People don't know much about him. He's a walk-on quarterback. Uh, I think he's a backup snapper now. And uh, I tell you, uh, they lost a snapper, and and uh, John Baxter said, can anybody snap out here? And John Manugan says, I can snap. I snapped in high school. He's now the backup snapper for the USC Trojan football team. So he's an intelligent kid. And personally, I think Dylan Baxter is a wildcat type of guy if they were going to go to that. But they're not a wildcat team. They're not going to go entirely to that. I think Dylan Baxter will will play what he plays, and I don't think it'll ever get to that situation. But I tell you, Mitch Mustaine's a great player. And if given an opportunity to get in there and play, uh, I think everyone will see why he's won so many football games as a high school player and when he was at Arkansas. Uh, cool. All right, Coach. Well, uh, thanks. Yeah, John, uh, John's a strong-armed kid, and uh, Ronald Johnson works out with him after practice all the time. He, he loves the heavy ball that Manugian throws. So I think he's definitely a He knows the offense really well. So... I, I would guess he would be the third guy going in. We'd have to see what the coaches would do. Hopefully it doesn't come down to something like that, but uh, that would mean a couple guys would get injured, but we'll see what goes on there. All right, so David has a question. Uh, Coach, given everything that's happened in the last eight months, what would you tell these guys if you were in that locker room on Thursday? Well, I probably couldn't say it on this show or any show, okay? <laughs> okay. Because... because uh, that's why a lot of times my locker room was locked before the game, was I would tell it the way it is. But I would have to explain to our team that we're going to make a statement this year. And our statement is we're taking no prisoners. And I'd make a statement saying we are SC. We will never change under what they try to do. If they can't beat us regularly, they can't beat us with sanctions either. And, of course, Lane Kiffin can't say this because – uh, it would sound very arrogant and cocky and everything else and be bulletin board material for people and so on, and the NCAA would be upset and everybody else. I would say every one of our games are a bowl game. I would have trophies made for every game that we played, and I would show them what we were playing for. It would be the Hawaii Bowl this year. This game, the next bowl game, would be the Cavalier Bowl. Then we'd have the Golden Gopher Bowl. And I'd be putting them up every week in our office or somewhere when we won. We would have a bowl game every week rather than just one bowl at the end. And I would get us all together and say, this is our group. The players that have left, they're great players, but they didn't want to go through this with us. We're in the trenches together. I've got your back. You get my back. And let's do, do what we have and what we've worked for. We have one hour today one hour to prove who we are to the state of Hawaii. We'll have one hour next week and one hour. We have 13 hours. That's all, 13 hours, one long day to demonstrate we are SC. And I think that's what we are and that's what we're here for and that's why you stayed here and that's why you came here. And we've got your back and, and you get our, have our back. And let's go out there and have fun play not one game at a time, one play at a time, and make it a Trojan play. Remember, the football field is the same size no matter where it is. It's what you do on it. And today we have an opportunity of proving to the world that you can do what you want to try to do to us, but it isn't going to make any difference. Because it's not a size of our body, it's the size of our heart and our will. And today we're here to demonstrate that to a national TV audience. I'd say, let's get ready to go, guys. I'll tell you when we're, you know, going from there. Coach, I don't have any shoulder pads, but I'm really fired up for my softball game tonight. All right. 
I'm going to listen to that. I'm going to play that again right before I play. This is good stuff. Thank you. <laughs> I, I mean, and I couldn't say that. I wouldn't say it in those words either. No. <laughs> I'd, add, I'd add a little um, of me in it. You know what I mean? A little more color. That's good. A little bit more, yeah. <laughs> There'd good. be a few bleeps. Well, you know, to me, a lot of times, I, all the radio shows I've done recently, people ask about, you know, how the team's going to do. I, I I think, like, what you just said there is really meaningful, that it, it's going to be, you know, people are questioning how well Coach Kiffin can coach and see how the offense does. I think that's all well and good. you gotta you got to see what he can do because his record hasn't been that great. He hasn't been that many places. He's really got to try and get things rolling with USC. But I think his biggest challenge is going to be keeping these guys in mentally because it is like a bowl game every week. There isn't one at the end of the season. You can't let these guys get down if they lose a game early. Things could spiral out of control. I mean, for me, one of his biggest challenges is going to be just keeping these guys mentally ready each week. Just remember, you know, he's been tough on these kids. But I want you to know I love football practices the way he's been practicing football. I don't know if I said this on this show. I've been on so many different shows. But when you go out there, everybody brings a briefcase. They're going to work. They're not out here to, you know, say hi to mom. They can call mom later. They're not out here to please the crowd that came to practice. They're out here to work and become a better football player and become a better football team. And I see that. Now, they may not win as many games as some of the seasons before, but they'll try to improve themselves to the best of their abilities. There's always the injury factor. There's luck. You know, great teams make their own luck. But I think that this team, you can always get easier when you start as a new football coach. But you can't start easy and then get hard. You've got to start hard, and you can always let up a little bit. And uh, I think this team needed the discipline. It needed to bring back structure. It needed to bring back that football is a team sport. And I think it's back there now, and it isn't just one individual. It's everyone now as a coaching staff and as a football team. I think it got a little bit carried away into a reality show. Yes, everybody loved it, including myself. I was drinking the Kool-Aid too, okay? But I think now after what's happened, you had to come back and make it what it is, a football program, which represents the university. And I think everyone involved has done a great job. All right, Coach. Well, before I let you go, what are your thoughts on the game? How do you think this is going to play out? You don't have to give a score unless you want to, but how do you think everything's going to play out tomorrow night in Hawaii? Well, let me tell you, I coach at the University of Hawaii, and I am very uh, up-to-date on the Polynesian kids and how they play. I'll tell you, football in the state of Hawaii is absolutely huge. There's nothing bigger than football in the state of Hawaii, and they really have tough kids. One thing about the University of Hawaii football program is they have a lot of local kids who stay at home and really have a lot of pride in the state. They will not give up. They will not quit. They are going to hit you. They're going to swarm you. They are going to, they are family there. Everyone knows everybody. Everybody in the family will be in the stands. It is a family atmosphere. And, uh, uh, they are really looking forward to this football game. And they will not quit. This is a team that will not quit. They will play. They will hit you. So you better go prepared getting ready to get hit because they're not just going to hit you with a hammer. They're going to hit you with a sledgehammer because they're very prideful people. They're very friendly, very beautiful people. But they love the game of football. They play hurt. They play with a great deal of emotion and pride. So I, I think their defense will be better than last year. I think their football team will be better than last year. They have four very good receivers. They have a quarterback that's returning. I think the question mark in their team is their offensive line. Uh, so uh, I think that it's going to be very important that the USC defense plays well and tackles well because they throw the ball in the seams in the open field area. So you can't miss tackles or they get big plays on you. So uh, they make the run go off of the pass. They're definitely a passing football team. 
So you're going to have to stay, keep, keep their team off the field, their offense, by your offense. So the best defense for this game is USC's offense. And can they run the football against the defense of the University of Hawaii? That's what it comes down to. Can they run the football? They've got to be able to run the football, and they got a good defense in front and some linebackers that can swarm you. So we'll see what happens with this game. I'm not going to predict the score because they always ask me this in the pregame show, and I hate it when they ask me that score because I couldn't even predict my score when I played, okay? Every, I mean, I didn't know have a chance, didn't have a thought. All I wanted to do was win, and uh, I think that's what the attitude will be with the Trojans. All right. Well, Coach, I hope you enjoy the game, and now we're kicking off college football. I just want to stay home all weekend and watch as many games as I can. I'm sure you'll do the same thing, but thanks for coming on, and uh, – We'll talk to you again next week. Thank you very much, Ryan, and all of our people out there. Thank you very much for giving us these questions. I enjoy answering them. And remember, it's just an opinion. My opinion, nothing is, uh, you know, you've got yours too. So if you disagreed with us, I'm sorry. All right. Well, thanks to you, Coach. Thanks to sctickets.com. We'll be back in 30 seconds. We've got Dan Weber, who is in Hawaii. We'll talk to him from the islands, get the, get the lowdown of what's going on over there when USC takes on Hawaii tomorrow night. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. We are joined in this segment by Dan Weber, uscfootball.com beat writer, who Landed in Hawaii last night. The plane was a little delayed, but he got there over to the islands. He's going to be covering the game for us on uscfootball.com. Dan, thanks for joining us. How's Hawaii? Uh, you know what? It's so hard to get used to. I mean, I, if you grew up in the eastern time zone, I was on the far western end of the eastern time zone, in, you know, right outside of Cincinnati. With the Pacific, uh, you know, the west coast was three hours, uh, you know, ahead of, or basically three hours behind us. So you could... You can deal with that. What's so hard to imagine is that there's a place that's three hours behind the West Coast. It just doesn't seem possible to be in a place that's, you know, basically six hours, uh, you know, west of home. So uh, I always have the adjustment. I mean, you know, whenever you come to Hawaii, you just keep thinking, can this place really be three hours, you know, I mean, behind the uh, uh, behind the West Coast? Because the game's going to start at five. And, you know, it's really a late game for almost for you guys at 8 o'clock. And it's going to be, you know, 11 o'clock for the East Coast. So uh, it's an adjustment that you never quite make, I don't think. You know, I think you have to live here a long time to get used to that, to the three-hour time zone uh, difference from the West Coast. Now, you might get some, uh, so it's, you it's might get some just, East Coast fans uh, the watching. The is just coming up here, uh, as a matter of fact. Oh, okay. Well, you, I think you might get some East Coast fans watching because it is opening night of college football. So they might just be so amped up to see some games that they don't mind that this one starts at 11. They, they might watch it till 2 in the morning. Who knows? Oh, I think it's a good time slot, actually, because I think it's like the, you know, caps off the day and people have been trying to watch this game and that game and whatever. From, you know, from that standpoint, I think it really works well for USC. And I know that. Hawaii people are excited because this is their one, you know, their one exposure shot, you know, for the year, and and they love it. I mean, they were, uh, I think, really, really, really worried that they were going to lose this game, uh, you know, when the NCAA sanctions came down. And so I think, uh, you know, they're thrilled to death. This game means a lot for them uh, uh, at Hawaii and for their program. I mean, this is really important uh, for their recruiting. So. Uh, you know, they, they're just, they, you know, they're not, it's, you get the sense that they're not so worried about how the game turns out, uh, whether good, bad, or indifferent. Uh, they really just think that, you know, their program needs to be on national TV playing somebody uh, pretty good uh, so that they can, uh, you know, have people 
think about them and, uh, you know, recruits possibly consider them, put them in, you know, in their, uh, you know, potential, well, I might consider Hawaii. All right. Well, hey, let's, uh, we're going to talk about Hawaii specifically a little bit. We had some, we got a bunch of questions. Uh, podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address, or you can call us at 206-888-6755. Leave us a voicemail and we'll play that. We do have a voicemail question for you, Dan, coming up a little bit later. But I want to get a couple of team questions first, and then we'll talk about Hawaii specifically. Uh, Matt wrote in, and it's kind of an interesting question. Is SC still one of the top three or four most talented teams in the country? And if so, do you see them remaining that way? I, th- I thought that was interesting, Dan, just because there is a lot of talent on this team, even though they're, they're kind of thin. They're still five-star guys everywhere. I mean, are they still an elite team as far as talent goes, in your opinion? Well, you know, I would think if you just took recruiting stars, uh, I would think they're the number one team in the country. If you, uh, if you took all the high school recruiting stars, averaged them out, uh, and look at USC's uh, kids that are going to play in this game, uh, I don't think anybody's got a, you know, a higher-ranked team now. You know, whether you trust those recruiting stars or not, I don't know. Uh, you know, if you look at USC's incoming class, for example, the lowest-rated ra- uh, uh, defensive back was Nikhil Roby. Well, you know, <laughs> some of us who look at Nikhil Roby and think, wow, you know, has, has USC brought in a better freshman, uh, you know, kid that's certainly quarterback? I don't know. But so, you know, what you, whatever you think of those, uh, you know, those five stars. I mean, there are a lot of five-star, five-year seniors at USC who, you know, this is going to be their chance to prove that, you know, those rankings were, uh, you know, were right on the money. But uh, uh, so, but I'd say if you look at the on paper, absolutely USC. I think, I think the numbers would say that USC probably uh, still is the, uh, is the most talented team in the country according to recruiting rankings, according to pr- productivity last year, or the last couple of years, probably not. So it's just a matter of, you know, how would you rank them? Uh, and, you know, I mean, look at USC against Oregon. Uh, if you look at how many, uh, you know, outstanding, I mean, I think we looked it up once. USC has more four- and five-star players I think basically than the entire rest of the Pac-10. Yeah. I mean, there is no comparison, you know, uh, over the years. So uh, <laughs> we'll see. That's a, that's a great question, though. All right. Well, thank you for that one, Matt. Uh, this next one's from David. He's a USC fan since 1961. So that's quite a long time. Wow. Uh, yeah. yeah. Thanks for writing in, David. Uh, he, had, he had a question about Woods, Prater, and Ambles all true freshmen, and they're all listed at split ends. And uh, I think actually Kiffin had Woods behind uh, Ronald Johnson at flanker at first, but they were so special that they moved him over to split end so he'd get a chance to start. Um, he wanted to know, uh, with Woods appearing to beat out Butler, in effect screwing up the depth chart because you know they put all those true freshmen at split end, should Ambles maybe be moved over to the flanker spot for now? That would give Woods and Ambles both experience and the main two receiving positions and give them flexibility for the future. What do you think about how the, the freshmen are, are lined up there at receiver? You know what? I wouldn't hold, hold those, uh, you know, positions too much to, you know, uh, what they're saying on paper, because as Lane had said, you know, normally the, the, uh, Woods' spot is, is the bigger, stronger guy. And here you've got maybe the fastest guy in the team at that spot. And he's only 185 pounds they're really just going to get guys out there. And if you go watch practice, uh, man, guys are in and out and in and out and, and they're all getting, you know, opportunities and, and Butler as, as everybody who saw practice last weekend, saw, you know, the best performance of his entire career at USC, uh, on a three touchdown day. And, uh, the fourth one was up for grabs on a pass interference. Uh, so, uh, you know, I don't know that, that they're really holding, uh, you know, so much to the distinctions between the two positions. I mean, I think Ronald Johnson's clearly, you know, going to be the, you know, the, the, the guy, uh, the, the veteran athlete speedball guy that they're going to depend on taking it, uh, you know, 
lots of yards after the catch and things like that, that they're not going to probably ask the, uh, you know, put the other guys in, in those positions as much. But, but I think you're going to see a lot of mix and matching and, and, and guys, uh, you know, when you've got, you know, three wide receivers and things like that, you're going to have guys uh, all over the place. So uh, I wouldn't worry about who's lined up behind who and where and what combinations are in there. I, I think they're doing a pretty good job. I don't know that in the last couple of years they've done as good a job at kind of mixing and matching and working guys in there and, and getting them enough opportunities. I think this team will do that. I think Wayne, you know, is the head coach and also the play caller, I think has a and, you know, the fact that he's in the huddle on everything they run, you know, on the field and all that, I think, you know, you'll see a, a sense of uh, you won't have to worry quite as much as maybe you did in the last couple of years about guys kind of getting lost behind another guy at a particular position. I think they're all going to get uh, plenty of opportunity. All right. Now, JC had another receiver question. It was about Kyle Prater. And people have asked me a lot about this, too, about the, the Kiffin mentioning that, you know, he could – likely red shirt this season, but he said Kyle Prater looked the most impressive receiver of the three from the seven on seven tapes over the summer. And he obviously looked good in the spring. What do you think about what he did in fall camp recently? And is he getting healthy again? Well, he does look healthier. I, I will say that. And he, uh, what you watch him is you just watch him day, uh, day after day. What does he look like? You know, say he's had a good day and say he's run deep routes and things like that. Then you want to see, okay, what's he look like the next day? And uh, that was kind of his problem, I think, uh, certainly in the fall, uh, excuse me, certainly in the spring, I think, with the hamstring. Uh, it was hard to get it loose and, and have him be able to go day after day after day. It's a different kind of a problem in the, in the fall. He got... I mean, one of the things he did is he just took a helmet on the thigh. And, and what you notice with him is they listen at 6'5". He looks like he's bigger than that. And he's kind of a, you know, he's a strong and, and quicker than you think, jumps really well, as Wayne as said, best hands on the team. I mean, that's saying something when you just say that right away. But he is a kind of, as the word might be gangly a little bit, he, he's he kind of is unprotected in some ways because he's so big. I mean, he's 215 pounds, but when he's up in the air, he's still a young kid, and, and he does take, you know, a lot of different blows, and I think, uh, you know, there's a, a way of learning to get your body into, you know, the ability to run uh, the way they ask these kids to run, uh, and you're coming right out of high school, and even though he had spring practice, I think it was just a matter of, of growing into his body and learning how to handle it at the speed and, uh, you know, with the force that you get hit at this level. And I just think it was a kind of a culmination of things that didn't allow him, you know, to have the day after day after day uh, work at the top level that would put him, you know, right in there with the other guys. And the other guys would come in and, you know, Woods and Ambles uh, just played gangbusters and, and, and Bryce Butler as well. And, and you know, you've got a, a Brandon Carswell back and uh, Devon Swanoy. And they really have a lot of guys that can run and catch the ball and, uh, you know, mature, maturing guys. And uh, I thought the key thing that Lane said, was it's been a result of a number of conversations with Kyle and his parents. And I think his dad has been really, uh, you know, uh, a sharp guy involved in, uh, uh, was very impressed with him, uh, you know, when he came out in the spring, a football guy who really seems to get it, you know, what's best for Kyle and all that. So if I were, you know, some of the fans who really have extremely strong uh, feelings about how this should go down, I'm thinking probably as much as we like to make those highlights and you know available and how good they look and how much you can tell about those highlights, you still probably can't tell anywhere near as much as say Wayne and uh, John Morton and Kyle's dad and Kyle himself in terms of where he is and where he wants to be and where he should be and all that. Uh, it always surprises me a little bit how how strongly held people have in terms of their, you know, feelings about who should be playing or what they should do with a certain guy or, or whatever. And I know that's great for our business and it's great for us, but I, 
I probably would just, you know, not have any really strong, you know, we see him every day and we're not sure exactly maybe what, what the best thing is because we haven't sat down and, and, and talked to him about it in that way. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I think I like the approach. I like the fact that they're talking to, uh, you know, his parents are talking to Kyle that he's involved in this. I, I think the one part of the equation that you notice when you see him play is he's just, uh, he's a young kid and a big, big, big body with wonderful skills. Uh, and I know that's tempting to people, but for example, you look at him as a jump ball receiver, but you know, this team has, three or four jump ball receivers. You've got, uh, you know, you've got, uh, 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 like Osbury uh, and Cameron. Osbury is yeah. playing well. You've got, uh, uh, Jordan Cameron, you know, you've got Red Ellison, you've got Blake Ailes has, has made some, uh, some plays, but you really have a, a Cameron and an Osbury that they, you know, really don't mind at all throwing the fade routes in the end zone, for example. So there isn't the same kind of, uh, maybe USC doesn't have the same kind of need as somebody else that doesn't have a six-five receiver. You know, they've got a couple of guys that they feel really comfortable. You know, both seniors. Uh, you know, and throwing jump balls to uh, you know in the end zone. So uh, I think they're proceeding exactly correctly with Kyle. Uh, you know, at this point in time. But you know, it's uh, it's something that, and I don't think it's written in stone. Uh, you know, if he ended up. Uh, playing in a, in a few weeks, uh, it wouldn't shock me at all. All right. Well, uh, thanks for that question, JC. We got another one. We're going to do a voicemail question here. Uh, this is on the freshman numbers, uh, Dan. There was a lot of talk about, you know, different um, you know players getting numbers that they didn't want or whatever, numbers they wanted if the freshmen were going to get them. So here's a question on the freshman numbers for you. I love the show. Uh, I'm kind of a numbers guy, and I remember at the beginning of fall camp, there was an article written about the freshmen having to earn their numbers. I think it was Nikel Roby that wanted number 21, and I hadn't heard anything about him getting that number. Obviously, the strength assumed that he would have earned it. Um, and any other numbers that uh, may be reassigned, if there's any information on that, I would greatly appreciate it. Thanks. Love the show. What do you think, Dan? Okay. Okay. Uh, you're talking to a, a non-numbers guy. Uh, that's a numbers <laughs> question for a non-numbers guy. Uh, I guess I really am big into, I like I like the idea that USC doesn't put names on the back of the jerseys. I was uh, looking at a video the other day of uh, UCLA introducing their new, their new look uh, uh, jersey, uh, road jersey, and they had a very, description of they've got a very small little UCLA logo on it and then above the, the big name. And I thought, you know, I like it that there are no names on the back of the USC jerseys. And I kind of downplay kids wanting a particular number. You know, you just want them to be wearing the, you know, the USC jersey and, and not worry. And I, don't, I didn't get the sense, you know, that that was a big, big issue you know, for Nikel. And uh, if if there was a place that I, I wasn't crazy about, you know, uh, how things were going with USC, it was the idea that there was a focus on kids coming out of high school who really wanted a particular number thinking, what the heck have you done to earn a number? You know, you're a high school player. Uh, come on. Uh, and you know, almost like, well, I want that number because so-and-so wore it. And, you know, you think, well, you know, play it down or so before you, you want to get into, you know, the same number as some guy that's, you know, an all-pro who helped USC win a national championship or two or something like that. That's my take on it. I don't get this. I just get the sense like a, a kid like Nikel Roby, he's just thrilled to get a chance to go out there and play. And I'm guessing what – Number 21, was that Neon Deion Sanders? Uh, yeah. That's just off the top of my head. Uh, and I don't blame him. I mean, I I did a, a traveling college football hall, hall of Fame tour of the country. I was telling who was, was talking about Deion Sanders. Sherry's right the other day. And, and one of our sponsors was Kodak. And it was the year that Deion Sanders had three of the most remarkable 
a combination, I guess, kickoff return and an interception return and some kind of a reverse play that two of the most unbelievable plays I've ever seen in college football. And we would show those highlights to people all over the country. And people who hadn't seen them were just like their jaws would drop. And you'd say, oh, my gosh, look at that, you know. And he did do some unbelievable things. And if I were a kid from Florida, I probably would want that number, too, if I were playing a cornerback. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm not – I guess I'm just not – I hope my, – my feeling is I hope the, the numbers thing is de-emphasized a little bit, uh, even though – uh, our numbers guy probably uh, doesn't like to hear that. that. That's just a personal personal take on it. Haven't heard much numbers talk. For me, that's a good thing. All right. Well, thanks for that question. If you want to leave us a voicemail and we can play your question on the podcast, it's the number is 206-888-6755. We, uh, that caller didn't leave their, their name or anything, but if you want to leave your name and short question, we'd be happy to answer them and we can hear your voice over the Peristyle podcast. That's so kind of fun. Uh, Here's a regular email question, Dan, from Cameron. It's also having to do with Nikel Roby. He's referring to uh, some, something that Gerard talks about sometimes on the podcast, that a lot of times uh, certain states, and Texas was one of them, where you have players that they've been playing football forever, and they seem to be more of a finished product coming out of high school than a lot of the California players who seem to be a little bit more raw. He wanted to know, do you think this is the case for Nikel Roby? Or do you think that there's not really a ceiling there that he, he really does have, uh, you know, he can still grow as a player coming here at USC? It's a good question. Uh, do you think, you know, that Florida kids uh, were, I would guess there's more of an emphasis on spring football. You know, they used to uh, kid in the Southeastern Conference when we were uh, as a sports editor and what have you, and you some of these, uh, some of the Southeastern Conference, uh, you know, you'd go to a, a newspaper convention and meet the sports editors and they'd talk about, yeah, we got two seasons down here, uh, you know, regular football and spring football, you know, and uh, they play, you know, they would call off uh, at some of the, in some of the SEC uh, uh, states, they'd call off, uh, you know, track and baseball and all the spring sports just so they could have spring football. So those kids get to play, uh, and that's when, you know, when they changed the rule about recruiting, uh, head coaches couldn't get down there and recruit because, like, when Pete Carroll would show up at a spring football game, you know, there's thousands of people at the game. It was like a real game. And uh, so I, I kid like Mikel Roby, I mean, he's played against speed. He's played against wide-open offenses. He's played against spreads. He's played, uh, you know, in situations. Although I don't think there's that much difference in terms of, Speed and wide open offenses and that you've got great weather in both places. You've got lots of good athletes. Uh, you might not quite have the the same kind of absolute. You know, uh, the only thing in town that matters is football, uh, because there are a whole lot of other things that are you know going on in California schools. But uh, I don't think the California schools. I don't think they're that raw. You know, that much behind. I think uh, you know, there's really been a lot of good. I, I just think, you know. That's one of the things I think I was a little surprised when I when I came to the West Coast is I you know I thought California football was far more advanced than I think we realized uh, uh, and uh, you know if you look at some of the recruiting rankings on some of the different services you might think there is no other place in the country except the southeastern part of the U.S. Uh, when you look at some of the recruiting rankings but uh, but uh, I don't think I, I would never use the word. We're, we're raw, but 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 there might be kids like a Nikel Roby who are just really much more finished products. They've seen so many more things, uh, and they've been experienced with them. But uh, but I do think he's the kind of kid because of his special skills, his, his physical talent. I don't know if he's going to you know he'll grow anymore or not. He'll get stronger, uh, you know. I'm sure. I don't know that he can get a whole lot quicker. But uh, he's just a remarkable kid. I mean, to, to have gotten that kid out of Florida, just kind of an unbelievable, uh, you know, effort by uh, Monty and uh, and Lane to have spotted him and and realized how good he was. And I think that's the response of Mikel was these are the guys who who realized how good I could be, and uh, and and he stuck with them. Uh, so uh, 
but I don't I don't think there's that much difference uh, between the Florida schools and the, and the and the California schools or the style of football. I, I just I, I you couldn't sell me on that one. Yep. All right. Uh, next one up is from Justin. He says he's in the Evil Empire, aka Notre Dame country. Just want to get an update on Patrick Hall and what was what going on with that whole situation. Boy, um, you know, all we can guess is it, Patrick was just you know he was a, a presence every so often, and you notice him, and and you know he got on the field a little bit, and then. You know, you notice that they were going to, you know, give him a shot at uh, uh, offense because he can, you know, he's got tremendous physical skills and all that. But he just, you know, and I think Gerard made a really good point uh, in responding to somebody this week. Uh, if you go to a USC practice, you see DJ Morgan, for example. You see him doing everything he can do, beginning of practice, end of practice, after practice. Uh you see him working until you know he ends up with a uh, ice on his knee and all that. He's, he's very obvious uh, in trying to work his way through his knee rehab and get himself back to you know that that great athlete that he is. What you didn't see with Patrick, you just didn't have that sense of Patrick being there and being part of the process as much. And whether it's been a a more difficult road, you know. Uh, for him, uh, uh, you know, getting, you know, injured, uh, you know, in fall a year ago and then, uh, you know, not coming in until the, you know, the middle of the year and, uh, whether they're, you know, it's been academically, uh, you know, he's had, uh, you know, have, uh, you know, some adjustments there and I know they're, they're keeping him on full academic service and they, you know, haven't given up on him, but, uh, I think USC's in a position now where they really, really have to be careful and selective, and they have to have kids who who feel uh, about USC like, you know, this is all that matters to them. And, you know, as Lane said this week, what a privilege it is. They think, you know, uh, we've got the best college football program in America, and it's such a privilege if, uh, you know, we're offering you a scholarship and we're giving you a scholarship. and, and we really need you to, you know, respond and reciprocate and, and really be part of this. And uh, at this point in time, and, uh, you know, USC is in a position where they can't go for any reaches. They can't, you know, say, boy, I hope he comes around. Or, boy, you know, they really need you to come around. And, and Lane, you know, said 99% of our kids are just so excited and committed and, and, and to be here. I think it's one of the great untold stories is the fact that despite the NCA sanctions and despite the NCA's, you know, get out of jail free card and all that kind of thing for kids and encouraging transfers and trying to kind of, you know, decimate the USC program, USC hasn't lost a single kid who really, really was, a, you know, a valuable kid. DJ Shimei would have been a, a really nice just because he was such a good kid and, and a versatile athlete and all that. But he haven't lost a single guy that they absolutely needed to stay in the program. And uh, those are guys that have all made the choice to stay here. And I think they need Patrick you know, to make that kind of a choice and that kind of a commitment. And I think he's going to get a chance to, to see if he can make that kind of a choice. But uh, I don't think he had made it so far and, and and i'm guessing you know there are rehab issues and school work issues, all of those things that are hard for a kid you know who's been a great athlete uh to deal with when he can't play in games anymore and he can't do the things that he you know wanted to do and it's kind of a lonely uh you know deal rehabbing it probably can be very valuable uh over the course of an athlete's you know lifetime if he handles it, but, uh, you know, a lot of that comes down to you've got to make a choice. And, uh, I guess that's what we're going to see about Patrick Hall is, you know, what choices he make. And, you know, there are, you know, different feelings out there from people about, you know, what they think, you know, Patrick Hall, you know, is going to do. And I guess, you know, we're going to find out. All right. Well, Justin, thanks for uh, that question there and keep your head above water there in Notre Dame country. One last thing before we let you go, Dan, and uh, get out there and enjoy the uh, sun and sand in Hawaii. 
What are you expecting yeah. tomorrow? I mean, you've been out here. You know, you've been at every practice. We've been out there watching this team. It's going to be new with with new coaches, and even though they're great coaches and even though they're great players, you, you're not really sure how everyone's going to come out and play. What are you kind of expecting to see Thursday night when they take on Hawaii? Well, I expect to see exactly what Lane expects to see and what he said the other day when he was asked that question. He said, we have no idea. He said, we don't know enough. <laughs> we don't have enough information. We haven't done enough uh, you know, game-type work. We haven't done enough tackling. We haven't done enough run blocking. Uh, we haven't then, uh, you know, been hit enough to know how we're going to take care of the football. He said, I, I, this, you know, kind of the direction of, of how you would advance this game is that I think we'll be rested. I think we'll be strong. I'm quoting Lane now. I think we'll be strong. I think we'll be able to play fast. Uh, I think we'll know what to do, whether we can do it. Nah, as as things like I think if I'm a USC fan, I want to see special teams. Uh, and Lane says, "So do I." You know, he said, "Hey, we go for forty-five minute walkthroughs on special teams. It better pay off." But we'll see. I mean, I think it's going to be interesting. He said, "I got my other coaches standing over there while we're going through forty-five minute walkthroughs to start practice on special teams." And he said, "That's my call." He said, "I think I want to see us." play with the same kind of athleticism and enthusiasm and excitement of, you know, as we do on offense and defense on special teams. But uh, I think it's, this is why I, I was telling somebody else, I think this is why we love sports. It's the great reality TV show of our lives. And it's been that way our entire, you know, that's why you love sports. You don't know. You're going to watch tomorrow to see what happens. You got to, you know, some ideas. But I think in these situations, you really don't. I don't think USC knows. I'm convinced Lane doesn't know. I think he knows he's done, you know, they've done everything in this situation to be ready. But, you know, you're going to play a team that, that uh, you know, there's quick three-step drops and they got guys running and their whole job, you know, on offense is to run away from you. You know, I mean, it's like a jailbreak every play. You know, your guys are going four different directions and, and trying to, you know, well, you know, this isn't something, I mean, USC's been getting ready for it for two weeks. And Lane said, we ought to know what they're doing. Uh, you know, we're almost to the point you get bored because we've been getting ready for it for so much, but it's just not what USC does. It's not how they line up. It's not what they kind of have a feel for every day in practice. So, uh, it'll be interesting. Uh, I, I'm not sure. Uh, I, I think it'll be fun to watch. I don't know that it'll mean much any particular way unless it goes really badly, but, uh, uh, but, and I don't know that the score is going to matter and the score could be, you know, wild. Uh, uh, but, uh, it's kind of like, a you know, you've got 13 games, so they get, you know, it's a, it's like a super dress rehearsal. They go three time zones, uh, they're, uh, it's a matter of peaking at the right time in order to, you know, learn how to do this in game week and uh, all of that kind of thing and learn how to be healthy and learn how to have fresh legs and on all the things and learn how to do all the things that a new coaching staff has to do during a game. But as to the, you know, the real specifics, I guess the thing you want to see is the USC just line up and knock people off the line of scrimmage and run the ball when they want to they better be able to do that and they better be able to block people at the point of attack so that they can, you know, whenever they need to do that, they can do it. I want to see Barkley, uh, uh, with some payoff in terms of, uh, of his, his better athleticism. I want to see, uh, how he throws the ball on every pass. Uh, uh, and I want to see, uh, you know, how far can a true sophomore come? I mean, in most years, if you had a true sophomore starting at quarterback, you'd be like, wow. USC's got a true sophomore starting that everybody just assumes is going to be right there in the, you know, in the mix with, uh, you know, the Heisman Trophy guys that, you know, out of the pack 10 and, you know, uh, uh, and 
you know, with the luck he had at Stanford and, uh, you know, Locker at, at, at Washington and all that. And I, I think it's asking a lot for a true sophomore. Uh, but then, you know, they named him captain. You know, his teammates selected him captain. So that's saying a lot, of, you know, about Matt Barkley. So uh, those would be things I'd focus on. But as to, as to what exactly is going to happen, uh, you know, I'm with Lane. <laughs> I don't think they've got, we've got enough information uh, in terms of playing someone else. I do think they should be able to stop the run. I'll be, I, I would be very disappointed if... Uh, if with this uh, front seven, if they uh, have a great deal of difficulty stopping the run, not that you're going to, you know, that's a big part of what Hawaii does, but that's kind of the theme for the season, I think, is if they can go back to the time of teams that Pete Carroll had that stopped the run, where you just knew going into the game you weren't going to get a 100-yard rusher, you might not get a 100 yards on the ground, and you had to throw the ball. And in the Pac-10 now, you basically, and Lane has talked about this a lot, he's so aware of the fact that the Pac-10 is now a run-first league, and it wasn't that way when Lane was in it, just that short a time ago when Lane was an assistant to Pete. But you look at Oregon, Oregon State, and Stanford, they run the ball first. They need to be able to run the ball. And the Pac-10... You know, we'll, we'll run it right down your throat if they can, as USC fans remember uh, to their dismay from last year, the last couple of years. Uh, even uh, the one game that cost them the national championship two years ago was a game where Jackie Rogers just ran it right up, you know, right up the gut. So if USC can stop the run consistently and force you to throw the ball, uh, I think the secondary, as young as it is, I think the secondary can have a really good year. Uh, and they're athletic, and they're opportunistic, and uh, we'll see. But uh, but we, I don't know what we'll see tomorrow night. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if any of us do, but we're all going to be tuning in to check it out. Dan, we appreciate. It. I hope you enjoy all your time over there in Hawaii. Thanks for all the insight, and we'll we'll talk to you next week after the game. Get some post game reaction. Okay. Thanks, Ryan. Looking forward to it. All right, everyone else. Thank you very much for tuning into the Peristyle Podcast. Enjoy all the games, all the college football this weekend. Everyone's been waiting a long, long time to get these college football games in. Enjoy the game tomorrow. We will talk to you all next week. You've been listening to the Pear Style Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.